We're all lacking wisdom, so we can all ask of God for that. Uh, this, um, again, we're in the middle of uh, the study with Corinthians. And uh, as we get into this book, I would like to again remind you that you are on a journey with Paul, and the Holy Spirit is going to use him to disciple you. This is a 2,000-year-old letter, and Christians of all ages have come across these words to benefit from what the Spirit of God wants to teach and, and to make us prudent, to give us that wisdom that he's crying out for. God is eager to teach and share. And so with that reason, I've, I've, uh, I love this when I'm working on a sermon and I don't know what to do with it. And I say, okay, God, I have no idea what you want to say in a sermon because creating a sermon is kind of like, a, it's a craft, it's an art, and it can go any direction. But the, the joy and the fun and the struggle the, is being able to listen to God and get his guidance in this. So it's not just me coming up with stuff. It's me anchoring what the message is and, and, and playing with it. So uh, Linda and Joetta and, and Terry know that coming up with a title is one of the hardest things. And you, you usually do that at the end, but they want me to do it before, so it's always a struggle. But this one, I thought, this one catches me. This is, we've been talking about culture, we've been talking about worldviews, and this one is the wisdom's worldview for the saints. And so you are being summoned, not a court order, but a, an invitation to come to be a disciple of Christ today and to listen to the th very things that the Corinthians had trouble with, we have trouble with, but you're being invited to a master class not of movie making or of chef or uh, art and calligraphy. This is a, a master class about loving God, about loving people. And so I mentioned last week that there's something about this man, Paul, who radically was given to a wholehearted profession <clears throat> of being a rabbi who wanted to kill Christ. And the transformation that took place in this man, who would have been a, easily a Supreme Court candidate, a very intelligent man, gifted in many ways, Paul came to know that what he was doing spiritually was antithetical to the purposes of God. And therefore, of any man in the New Testament that is really knowledgeable of what change is all about, it's Paul how difficult it must have been for him to lay aside all the cultural things that he had to say, this kingdom of the Spirit is radical. And I want you to get that taste that if you understand what we hold in this Bible, you are, you are not only peculiar, unique people, you are radical people because no one thinks or talks <clears throat> like a kingdom kid. And... Therefore, there are some, some powerful things in here. So if you are going to struggle, you're in a good place to struggle because if you don't know what this means, that's why we're here. We don't know what this We, we want to grow in understanding. But Paul knew the difference. And sometimes when the culture comes in and the culture and the church are so, so blended, you don't see the difference between the world and the church. And so... 
that's a problem. But Paul's going to get us out of that to help us understand how the power of grace, how the wisdom of the gospel is going to bring something into your life and infuse your spirit with an entirely different orientation that says life comes from him. Life is derivative. Life is not based on attainment. It's not based on the things you possess. It's not based on figuring things out or fixing the things that you figure out. It's based on one thing alone. The God who made you is calling you. And the God who's calling you wants to talk with you. And the God who wants to talk with you is going to fellowship with you. And so Paul starts off this incredibly messed up group with this idea that God is faithful and in his fellowship you are called to sit at his feet to enjoy life walking with him. Now there are a whole lot of people who just think I said a crazy sentence. God doesn't speak to us. I don't care what God speaks to us. It's not important to me what God says. And so most of the world that you live in, rub shoulders with, they have no idea why people would want to follow Christ. But you do. And you know why. And so Paul is going to help us to get this, this idea that my relationship with God, if I have grace with the Father, then I have grace with the horizontal relationships. And so there's something radical about what Paul is going to say to us and we talked a couple of weeks ago about being sophomores, not graduates. Uh, we're still, and sophomores think they have enough information as a freshman to come up with some grandiose idea. But they're sophomores. They haven't graduated, but they're still in the process. And we are all in that process. We're at different levels of understanding, all of us. But it's not the levels of understanding that makes the difference. It's the difference of Christ that makes the different levels of understanding. So as you grow in this master class, you begin to realize that the Spirit of God wants to have something happen in the church. Now, what was happening in the Corinthian church is that there was division. They weren't getting along. There were people who were factious, uh, argumentative, and confrontational. Uh, there's division in the church. They were disrupting differences because of the differences of interpretation, of, of personality, of, of all these preferences. But unusual, this is not a political thing in the church. It's not an outside group coming in to make the difference. It's an inside group that's creating the tension. And the tension is they're not in agreement. And so... This is a spiritual split of sorts, a, a tension, a needless tension because of this issue of immaturity. And I said two weeks ago that the core issue that's going to surround all of this address that Paul has for the Corinthians is what you understand it means to be a Christian, what you understand it means to be spiritual what it means, whatever phrase you want to put on this, to be born again, to have faith, to be in discipleship, to be maturing, all of these things are going to have different angles, but you're finding Paul is going to supersede these things with some grand themes. There is there's a split, but Paul said, uh, you guys need to be teachable. So I'm summoning you to the class of the Spirit, in a paraphrase, Paul would say. 
And he began this whole work of saying, God is faithful. God started the work. God finished the work on the cross. He called you to understand that work, and he's going to confirm that work in your very heart. And therefore, you are redeemed and regenerate and renewed people. But they didn't think that way. They thought, well, no, no, no. I, I like Paul. When Paul came, I, I like what Paul said. Because, man, he is a great guy, and God has changed his life. If anybody, I mean, he knows the gospel. Apollos came through. And Apollos was probably a better speaker than Paul. In the Greek traditions, they, they would honor people who were skilled in speech. Apollos was very skilled in speech. And uh, he got credit for that. So some people liked Apollos' style better than Paul's. Some people liked Peter. Peter finally made it over there. Somehow the visit with Peter, they, he's the apostle. Peter, on this rock I'll build my church. They liked Peter because he's original. And people would say, well, I'm, I'm of Christ. I don't want to be, I, I want to just be back to Christ. And so there was a tension how people would approach this idea of spirituality and of growing in Christ. But know that this division, this division was being addressed in Corinthians by this one theme. And I want you to hear this theme, and I want you to hear the contrast, because the theme is the work of the Holy Spirit in each and every individual in the body of Christ all of this takes place in terms of how you are relating or not relating, how you are learning or not learning, or how you're bringing things into this conversation with the Holy Spirit, and you're resisting the Holy Spirit. For Paul, this is about not just the differences. What Paul has in his, in his crosshairs is that the gospel of Christ cannot be uh, subverted, sabotaged, and, and, and changed into a man-made melting pot or anything goes. If you miss the gospel, if you miss the regeneration, you miss the new life in Christ, you're going to miss the Spirit, and you're going to be open to all kinds of other ideas that are going to mislead you. Now, that was a problem in other places. Jude said, these people who divide you, those outsiders for Jude the false prophets, the false teachers. These people follow, now notice what it says in Jude, they follow their natural instincts. The urges, the impulses, the impressions that you would tend to think, well, this must be of God, or I believe this, because it's my instinct, it's my, my feeling, my thought, my belief. It's all about me and my... It's not about Christ or the Spirit. And Jude says that if you're following your natural impulses and you don't have the Holy Spirit, these guys did not have the Holy Spirit. And therefore, when you come to the Corinthians, you've got the same tension. Who's listening to the Holy Spirit? For Christ saw... The way Christ saw Paul and the way Christ saw Apollos and the way Christ saw Peter, he saw them as his servants. But the Corinthians didn't see them as servants. They saw them as celebrities. 
I like, I like this guy. I mean, I like Andy Stanley. I like Charles Stanley. Better. I like, you know, Francis Schaeffer. I like Larry Crabb. I like, you know, you pick your, pick your favorite pastor. And then I'm of that pastor. They, they missed it. They said, well, I, I was baptized by Billy Graham. It's not the who baptized you. You missed the whole point. It's Christ that baptizes you. And if you get your eyes off Christ, you're most vulnerable to miss it. But they would esteem and they attributed loyalty to their favorites. They had preferences. And so they would put them on pedestals above other people. Whether intentional or not, the practical result was social cliques. You ever been in a church where you don't fit? You don't feel like the, that, the, that the hierarchy, you know, there is a second-class Christian and you weren't spiritual enough or you didn't have enough of this doctrine enough or you didn't, you didn't have this method down or, but you were being compared and measured by people? You ever been in that way, in that situation? Yeah, that is not of the Holy Spirit. But they were doing that. I, I, like, I like Peter better than Paul. And I like Paul better than Apollos. You can't, you can't do that in the church if the Holy Spirit is there because the focus isn't on the men who are leading you. The focus is on the Christ who is leading those men. And so they were in comparison. They were, in, they were comparing and judging others according to their preference. But what they didn't have they didn't have that third ear. You've heard me talk about this. The third ear is what you need in relationships. One is you need to hear what the other person is saying. Two, you need to hear what you're thinking and feeling on the inside. But three, you need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you in this moment, in this relationship, at this time, in order to have this complete understanding of what it means to be a Christian. In Romans, Paul would say to the, to the Roman Christians, I want you to have a sane estimate, Romans 12, 3. I want you to know exactly, accurately, honestly, to have an assessment of who you really are, about who you are and how you relate. Have a sane estimate. Don't, don't exaggerate yourself. Don't put yourself down, but have a, a normal, honest appraisal this is who you are. And the Corinthians, they didn't have that same estimate. They were boasting. They were exaggerating. They thought they only wanted the top, and they forget those who are at the bottom. In others, they didn't see how God was working. They would see how he has to work this way, and if God isn't working this way, these become second-class Christians. But the true power and the true wisdom that God wants these Corinthians to get, and I want you to get, I want I to get, I want, I, I want me to get it. I want to get it. That's a, <laughs> the power and the wisdom they would have to learn comes not from the education of men, comes not from the political affiliation or the alignment with any, any doctrine or denomination. It isn't aligned with any kind of methodology, it's aligned strictly to that sacrificial work of Christ on the cross. It's aligned specifically to the Spirit of God teaching you what that work meant 
that would liberate you, not only you, but the whole world. Understanding salvation is not just something that's happening down the line, but salvation actually takes place this very day. God's Spirit wants to work today in our lives. But they had shifted off of all of that. They, fought, they forgot the redemptive gospel, and they put their confidence in who was the best speaker, who had the best sermon. Now, there's no pressure for me, right? Because as, as I look around at people, I'm thinking, do I compare myself with other pastors? And I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord just gave me some real encouragement that it's not who I am. It's not even what I say that makes the difference. Because this isn't my idea. Church isn't my project. It's his. And therefore, all I have to do is be faithful to give the scriptural testimony. He takes over from there. What you do when you leave the church is between you and the Lord, not me. So I have to point, be faithful to point back to the scriptures. But God doesn't give us this attraction to the social status that we get because we follow this group. He gives us social, spiritual maturity because we are in touch and aligned with the Holy Spirit. That's the power, that's the wisdom that the Corinthians were forfeiting. Because what Paul saw was this Corinthian church was in trouble about being divided. That's not a new thought. We have it today. Look at these. Here are 10 books. 10 books today, this week on the market, about the division in America. Rescuing the Broken Spirit. You've got Kasich's book on two paths. Divided, 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 divided. This is not of Christ. Because when you are comparing and competing, you're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, something's taking place in our world that it, there is a divisive spirit in the world. And if that divisive spirit gets in the church, you have the same thing. Well, Paul has understood this. Interestingly, the, the book Rescuing a Broken America, I didn't know this. Uh, he, he says, that author uh, Kaufman, says that the Americans are shifting their focus away from what a democracy is based on some prior model of government informed by John Locke. I won't get into this, but what he's saying is the shift that you're seeing is something's happened underneath the philosophy of government that we've moved off of John Locke to a Rousseau, uh, John Jacques Rousseau, the French guy, who model is based on individual rights and the freedom for individual and the demand. These two models of democracy are clashing. Without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't see that. The idea is you get division. And our good friend Abe said, uh, a house divided. You can't have America free of slavery and have slavery. You can't have two conflicting values. Actually, he stole that. I don't know if you know that. Uh, he took it from Jesus. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be, what's the word? 
ruined. Every Christian who has a different spirit than Christ will be ruined. Hear that because the Spirit of God does not want you to perish. The Spirit of God doesn't want you to forfeit the things that he, Christ died for. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And therefore, Paul saw this. Let me go on. Uh, he, Paul's got the same problem. Paul's got the same problem with a group of pagans who come to Christ, and yet they're dragging in all these different models, all these different values and their thinking, and, and, and they, they just don't get it, but Paul gets it. And so Paul has the same problem. He says there's a group in the church that's still driven by the flesh. And we'll talk about that in a, in a week or two. But there's a group of people that are Christian, but they're still driven by the flesh, driven by the world. And there's a part of this Christian church that's driven by the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got these two groups. Part of the group is immature and maturing. There is a congresswoman who's a, a greenhorn, they would say. But when freshmen start to question and challenge Senior, elderly, calling leaders unfit, the, the despising of leadership, you've got a greenhorn. You've got somebody who's not humble. You've got a worldly spirit coming in. But part of the group is maturing as well. They're, they're still stumbling around. And both the immature and the maturing both need grace. Both have grace, but don't get grace because they don't know it's available. But then there's this other group. And the other group are strong, solid, mature, seasoned. These people have been tested by fire through, through personal testing and challenging, and they're thinking through because the Spirit of God has touched them and challenged them and taken them deeper. And so somewhere along this line, between immaturity and maturity, you are located. It doesn't make a difference where you are. Because the Holy Spirit knows where you are. And the Holy Spirit knows where he wants you to go. And therefore, if you are listening to the Holy Spirit with that third ear, you should see something happen in your life. And if you don't have that happening, it means you're not listening, you're not learning, or something else is blocking your growth in your devotion and your worship and your affection and your obedience and your discipleship and your liberty. It goes on and on. The idea that Paul is saying to these Corinthians, no to the flesh. Part of this group, those that are flesh, listen, what they want is they want, they want the party. I want to be of Peter. I want to be of Paul. They want that division because they don't want to be involved with those who are not like them. They wanted man's wisdom. And so Paul would say, when I come to you, I'm not going to come to you with human wisdom. Well, wait a minute, this is Greece. This is philosophy. We want something important. We want something interesting. We want something that's solid, intellectual, philosophical. And you're just talking about this Jesus thing. We want more than that. And Paul says, no, no. Your confidence is going to be based on your understanding. Now get this, folks. 
If your confidence is based on your reasoning and your understanding, it's not based on Christ. Your faith is in your faith. Your faith is in your understanding. And you won't hear Jesus because you're still trying to have confidence in what you believe. It's not what you believe. It's who you believe. This week I had somebody say, I believe in God. I trust God. Would God say the same thing? In this case, I said, I don't know. Because if you're locked into your own understanding, your confidence is on your understanding. That's not the Christian maturity. Our our confidence is in the work and the person of Christ alone. I may not understand it. I may not be able to communicate it. But I know where my confidence is. It's not in me. The, the Corinthians, they wanted faith based on reasoning, not reasoning based on faith. That's a pot of coffee. We'll talk about it later. But the natural tendencies, if you're working according to the flesh and you're relying on 40 or 50 years of experience, you're going to have a conditioned impulse to not run to God first. You're going to have a conditioned impulse to rely on your own experience, your background, and you will not hear God at work. People who are still worldly then, who are immature as mere men, Paul would call carnal, if you're King James, natural, if you're NIV or NASB. But the idea that the natural man is not the supernatural man. The man of the flesh is not the kingdom kid. But the interesting thing that Paul says, you guys are not ready. You are not teachable because you're listening to the wrong group instead of listening to Christ. Now, Jesus said the same thing in John 16, 12. He says, I have much. Jesus said to the disciples right before he went to the cross, I have a whole lot to tell you, but you are not ready. And God will not teach you if you are not ready to listen. He won't give you more wisdom if you're not using the wisdom that he's given. And therefore, Jesus is a master teacher. The Holy Spirit is a master teacher. And he knows if you're ready and you're willing to listen, he'll give. He calls out to you. Ask for the ancient ways. Listen and learn from what it means to be a Christian that's been redeemed. I don't mean being religious. I don't mean being faithful to your denomination. I mean redeemed and restored and renewed and regenerated and being alive because the Holy Spirit is teaching you something. And if I were to ask many of you, what has God taught you this week? Many of you say, "Um, uh, well, the weather's been kind of strange or, um, well, I had an accident and uh, missed that deer though. hmm." I'm talking about what spiritually God is doing to change you on your understanding of who Christ is and who you are and how you relate into a world that doesn't know who Christ is It doesn't know who they are. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 2, 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, and yet the Corinthians were bringing the spirit of the world right into the church. And the questions, if you read this passage, the questions that Paul asks of the Christians, it's a great passage. 
Don't you know, 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you are God's temple? Uh, no, I actually didn't know that, Paul. I, I just thought it was just me. I'm the, well, the temple is the presence of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Don't you know that you, you are a temple? That God's spirit dwells? No, I, didn't, I haven't heard that one. Don't you know that God's spirit is inside you? You cannot be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You can have faith. You can have faith and faith. But you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're a natural man. You're lost and you won't be able to hear God. The third thing Paul said, I put this as the question, he didn't say, don't you know that God's spirit, God's temple, you, are sacred? You are to be honored. You are to be, you, you are called into worship and beauty. You are a very sacred people, set aside. You are not to be Lord to the world. You have a high calling. You are sacred people, sanctified, set apart by the very one who died for you. The very high privilege. Don't you know, and Paul goes on, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17, don't you know that together, all of you together, that you are not just called to be a silo Christians, me and Jesus, my Jesus, my Savior, me and, I'm doing okay. I don't need to go to church. Yes, you do need to go to church. If you are listening to the Holy Spirit, you need the people of the Spirit of God to stimulate you. Because if you're locked into your narrow thinking, you are an immature Christian. You are a, a mere man, a mere woman, and you don't have that third ear. So the question is, how do you help this group of Corinthians move and grow in the Holy Spirit? That's, that's a great question, isn't it? How do you grow in the Holy Spirit? How do you mature in your understanding and love of Christ? How is your faith developing? Is it developing? Do you have a third ear? And Paul would say, first of all, if you're listening to that spirit, your orientation, you have a clear filter that this word that you're hearing from the world, it is not of God. And the prudence, the discernment that you have, that you can tell what is of God, what is not of God, that's part of the temptation. Didn't God say, no, no, he didn't say that. Well, Eve thought he said that, so Eve chose her own way. The word of God is not a human word. It's the wisdom's worldview that's going to speak to you. So it's not about what you think. It's about what he thinks and what he says about what you think. It's about your calling. You have a position in Christ, untouchable, reserved in heaven. It's yours, believer, a great privilege. It's about being an integrated, not a compartmentalized Christian, but you have these purposes of God in view if you have that mature third ear. If you don't, these are not important. But as we get into Easter, this theme about being a cross-centered, 
Christ-centered, understanding that theology of the cross, that, that you have an understanding, and we'll work on this as we move into Easter, because this is powerful, because Paul says, I don't care about all this philosophy. I want you to know Christ and him crucified. And this word of the cross is foolish to the worldly, to the immature. They bypass it. Don't bypass it. Because that's part of the Spirit's work. Paul would go on to say, there's only one foundation. And there's no one can lay the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So spiritually mature people understand that the immature and the maturing, because they were there and they've been moved over to the mature side, they've been growing in obedience and trust and confidence because they know this word is not a human word. They know, as in everything, that Christ alone and that foundation of the gospel is the truth of the Spirit, the passions of the Spirit. And so he redirects the Corinthians to focus on this wisdom. And that wisdom is the hinge that's going to take place as he goes through the rest of the book. So he starts there, and he says, if you understand the Christian spirituality is centered on Christ, centered on the Holy Spirit, and the grace that's yours as a redeemed, renewed, maturing Christian, you have a relationship where the discipleship, the fellowship is sweet and rich. And therefore, God has called you into that fellowship. And therefore, as you understand that you know now that those driven by the Spirit have a word from God, and that word is the light of men. That word gives you wisdom. That word gives you wisdom. And therefore, the word, the word says, I'm going to lay aside the flesh. I'm going to destroy that. Where that would want to ruin you, I want to ruin them that are trying to ruin you. Don't put confidence in the flesh. But you do, if you don't have confidence in the Spirit, how do you walk in the Spirit? How, do you, how does that work? And we're not, we haven't done a good of a job at that in the Christian church, I don't think. But Paul says, once you learn these things, then you communicate these things through words, human words, but the words taught by the Spirit. And so we speak wisdom to those who are mature. To those who are not mature, we speak an invitation to the grace and the gospel until they get to the point and they're ready to hear the wisdom. Some are not ready to hear. Therefore, you have to take people where they are. Mature saints, 1 Corinthians 2.12, I mentioned it before, we haven't received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God that we might understand. Got it. You might know. Got it. It's content. It's propositional truth. I was with a guy yesterday in the, in the Kairos, and he said, um, we were talking about Bible study, and I was sharing with him some things that I was learning and I was excited about the scriptures and telling how I was reading scriptures. He said, I don't do that. I just kind of uh, sit in silence in the presence of God, and that's enough. It's not enough for me. There's silence when I, God, I don't, 
But when I have the scriptures and then the Spirit of God speaks to me, then I can take the scriptures and pray it back to God. It's a dynamic reality based on reason-informed spiritual orientation to wisdom. God, these people are messed up. What do I do? There's where the wisdom comes in. Well, part of the group is driven by the Spirit. If you are maturing in Christ, if you are maturing in Christ, you know your calling. And that will settle your heart. That will give you an assurance. If you're not assured of your relationship with Christ, you'll be open for any kind of thing. But you recognize that that baptism... It's not about how you were baptized or who baptized you. It's like you have a calling. You have a new identity. You have a new relationship with God that's not without fear, but you move into faith. But you also have the basis for unity. Because Paul says, what you get in Christ, and 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 what you get in Christ, we all get in Christ. Therefore, there is no need for competition. There is no need for jealousy. But there is a need to understand the maturity. How do you fit in the body of Christ? And therefore, you need to listen to the body of Christ. You need to listen to your leaders instead of putting them down. You need to listen to your teachers instead of arguing with them. You need to learn from the Spirit who's working in the relationships right here and now in the fellowship so that maybe somebody's going through a test and learning some things that they shared their testimony and it ministers to you. But if you are not communicating fellowship, if you're not sharing what God is doing, you may not have that third ear developed. So unless you are in that relationship, Listening, seeking, wanting, asking questions, cry out, seek the ancient ways. That's the definition of spirituality that Paul wanted these pagans to know. It's about Christ and following him, getting his mind. You don't want the human level, but we have the mind of Christ. What? You've got to be kidding. This is radical. And for you, that's your calling. Christians, you know that this special telescope from Webb, the new one that's out there replacing the Hubble, has these 18 different mirrors. They're slightly cocked, but they're all brought together. And these, notice all these little guys underneath putting that mirror, putting, that, uh, putting it together. That's you and me. But what we're building is the church. But everyone has a part to play. Engineers completed that. They called it, interesting, the segment image identification. That once they figured out how to put it together, they moved each of those 18 primary mirror segments to bring the 18 unfocused pieces into a planned hexagonal formation that reflects the image that they're taking out in the universe. That's like us. When Christ's Spirit joins us together and that we all are aligned and maturing, we reflect the wisdom of the Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. But you don't if you're following that party group, that fleshly group. But for us, we know that God is at work. And that work starts 
with that theology of the cross. As we move into Easter season, we're going to do some deep diving in this one. Because this, if you don't have this, if you don't have this understanding, not just about forgiveness of sins, there's more going on here. So this week, I would, I would encourage you to get the worldview of the Holy Spirit. Ask Christ, as we'll go into this in the next couple of weeks, what Christ wants you to understand. And if you don't understand these things, by all means, feel free not to understand. But feel free to come in and learn, because that's what we want to do. And we'll be looking throughout the Scriptures in the book of Corinthians. But doesn't wisdom call out? Yes, wisdom calls out. The question is, do you hear that call? Are you in the word? Are you letting the flesh influence you? If God were to say something to you, what is he trying to teach you as you mature in the spirit? Well, there's so much here. Let me stop here because we'll go to midnight because you can tell. I, this gets me going. <laughs> let's, let's close the word of prayer. Father, take these words. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see and a heart to respond. Make these words a reality for us as we want to love you better, follow you closer, and, and listen and learn from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.